So I'm going to speak a little bit this afternoon from the Gita and a little bit about bhakti. We were talking last night about different shaktis of Bhagavan, different energies of the energetic source. As you, some of you may recall, having been there. And we talked a lot about maya shakti and jiva shakti. Maya shakti meaning kind of the material energy, nature, always in flux and transformation. It's described in the Gita as having kind of three modes of, by which it functions, sattva, rajas, tamas, influences of clarity, hmm? Uh, and piety and, uh, and clarity of thought with regard to spiritual interests and so forth, sattva, influences of for material progress and improvement and and uh, going up the ladder and, and so forth, rajas and tamas, then material an influence of of nature that it takes one in the direction of being lethargic and apathetic and uh, unproductive and so forth. (laughs) So uh, this is one one way of discussing about the maya shakti. And this maya shakti is manifesting the different forms uh, that we see in the world the house, the tree, the body, and, and so forth. It's all products of that. Animated, in terms of doing so, being turned on, so to speak, by the jiv shakti. Jiv means life. And, of course, this is a shakti that's, that's conscious, self-conscious, rather than the maya shakti, in effect, being not being self-conscious, with an appearance of self-consciousness, like the TV appears to be alive, but only after you turn it on. And you can turn it off, too. So, but sometimes, after turning it on, it's difficult to turn it off. Hmm? You might need some help for that and realize you have a life of your own hmm? that you could be living that would be more fulfilling and rewarding. Hmm? So, that help then separate us, if you will, from the influence of Maya Shakti that we we get kind of turned on and it turned on us, so to speak. Uh, uh, it's just kind of the way the things work. Hmm? And we can ask why about it, which is okay to an extent, I suppose, but but um, the, bi- bigger, the bigger issue is that it's happening. We can, we, we, we can ex- we're experiencing it. If we look at it carefully hmm, with the help from eyes from above, it, it becomes clear to some of us anyway. And we find that there's necessity of making a solution to the problem of the of nature that we've turned on, taking over our our lives, so to speak. Hmm? And in the context of doing so, we're exploiting nature for uh, purposes that don't do justice to to the, the beauty of nature. There's a beauty to nature in the material world as well. Hmm? So. To extricate ourselves from that, hmm? us, the Jeev Shakti, from the negative influence of Maya Shakti, which we've we've kind of created the negative influence, so to speak. Hmm? Uh, the negative influence has a positive 
at the same time from the broader perspective in that material nature by making our lives problematic in a sense in the way that she reacts to our turning her on and exploiting her provides a negative impetus for us to try to get out of the situation. Hmm? So some of us come to spiritual gatherings because of negative impetus. <laughs> it's just not working anymore. So let me try another venue, something like that. So, But besides the negative impetus that nature can afford us, there's, there's positive impetus as well from, from sadhu sangha, good association, hmm? sacred texts and so forth, examples, uh, the, the lives of, of, of others that are compelling and, uh, and they, 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 they stand as evidence for us that there's, there's, a, there's another course to take. One doesn't have to succumb to envy, jealousy, greed, lust, the world. Hmm? want to talk about transcendence, it doesn't have those things in it. This will give us an idea of where we're at in terms of going there. That's fair enough. Uh, we should have a practical. Because it's easy to think, I'm enlightened. Hmm? There are some tests that we could <laughs> bring to bear to examine that, uh, that kind of a statement, which is sometimes in quasi-spiritual circles uh, voiced and... Um, um, it needs to be measured and, and tested. So the measure to which we become free from envy, jealousy, greed, avarice, lust, these are uncomfortable things, actually. Hmm? We, you know, if we feel them sometimes, the, those influences. So you can imagine to be free from those influences would be a very substantial form of freedom. Hmm? We might fight for pe- people's political freedom and the oppression that they experience under various regimes and so forth. That has some, there's some, something noble about that to an extent, but we're talking about another kind of freedom here, aren't we? Whether you're Republican or Democrat or <laughs> communist or capitalist, it, it, it's not going to free you from these types of oppressions, the oppressions of the mind that drive us to do things that with our own intelligence we can understand is not in our interest. But we do them anyway. Hmm? Have you ever had the experience of doing something that you know is not good for you without anybody having to tell you that it's not good for you? So it's fairly common. And so these, this is the kind of predicament that we're, we're talking about, under which political problems... Um, uh, hunger problems, um, uh, problems of infirmity and so forth are all just subsets of, they're all symptoms of a larger, if you will, problem, disease. And so this is what the Gita is trying to get at, that disease. And, um, and in pursuing it, we may not have time for political oppression or or. or Act such activism, or even feeding the poor, it's possible. Hmm? We might be too busy with making a more comprehensive solution for ourselves, and we have to, it's kind of a grassroots movement. You kind of have to begin there. Hmm? And that is in the interest of the whole of humanity, and all of animality, and the entire inanimate world as well. Hmm? 
So this is what spiritual life is about. <laughs> this is what yoga is about. It's a very, very um, courageous type of um, uh, venture. Mm-hmm. And so there's positive impetus. There's negative impetus from nature herself, and there's positive impetus also. Mm-hmm. Positive impetus, impetus largely coming from the example of sadhus, saintly persons, and so forth. Uh, <coughs> And in the context of the, which we're talking about that, these such, such persons are representatives of the tradition of, of bhakti, which, is, which means love, but it means wise love, which means properly centered love and, and so on. It's different than the semblance or shadow of love that we experience uh, in this world as we chase the shadows, so to speak, and never get any real substance. We don't get the full meal, we get appetizers, and the net result is indigestion, mm. largely. So, to get the full meal. And we mean to say that human life is about love. Who would disagree? Mm. But we want to factor in some wisdom into the love as well. Because ordinarily, it's thought, and there's some truth of that, that love does not answer to, to reason. Mm. So we want to be reasonable about, about our love. Mm. And then there is the kind of love that transcends even spiritual reasoning. We'd like to get there, but we have to get reasonable first before we can get there. Mm-hmm. And so, about bhakti, I want to speak about, which is another shakti. So there's the maya shakti, there's the jiva shakti, and then there's this bhakti shakti. It goes by different names. Mm-hmm. But it's basically the shakti, or the energy that kind of that that moves if you will the 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 dream the daydream as we talked about yesterday the daydream world of the godhead and lila lila means literally it means play but it's it means divine play hmm? and so we are depicting the absolute as playing hmm? and that's uh, a uh, very much a position of power then because as I've often said it takes power to play in other words if you want to take a vacation you have to have some power some some financial power some time off from work that you've earned that pa- kind of power money in the bank mm-hmm. so to play you have to have some power so the one who is all playful is all powerful this is the idea so you know in hinduism we've got lots of gods and goddesses and so forth and you could pick and choose and then they represent different things different things in our own psyche hmm? um, our own atma and and um, but they're not just part of our psyche our psyche is part of the part of them would be the better way to, to look at it and in all of these gods and goddesses of which there are so many there is Krishna and Krishna represents the heart of that whole pantheon of gods and goddesses who is only playing and, and he's depicted as such in all the leelas and so forth nothing to gain nothing to accomplish only playing and the implication of that is that here's a description of the absolute that 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 is is the all powerful, hmm? from which the other gods and the goddesses are of which the other gods and goddesses are aspects, 
If you were, to, if you were to, as a person, if you were able to personify aspects of yourself, like your wisdom, and a person appeared, there's my wisdom. Can you imagine? Oh, here's my heart. You know, and I might have some bad qualities. Here's one of them too. Of course, we don't find that in the Godhead necessarily, but. But but for play, it could be possible. Hmm? But for play, it could be possible. I could manifest a bad guy also. So this is, this is what the daydream, if you will, of God is, consists of, hmm? that we call Leela. And so there are personalities and so forth, and different aspects of the Godhead, and persons might become attached to one aspect from our side or another aspect on the side. But the idea somewhat is to try to sort all that out and put them in perspective. And if we do that carefully by studying the sacred text, we see that what the, what the sadhus, the, the persons through whom these, these insightful forms, uh, uh, this insightful revelation has, has come through, has descended through, we, we find this Krishna is in the center. And this is the aspect, the depiction of the Godhead with whom it's possible or in relation with whom it's possible to have a, a full kind of relationship of, of, of loving hmm? Hmm? and enter into the, the, that kind of play, if you will, that's depicted there. It's a depiction of, of really our own, our own self-interest if we could think it out very carefully, if we play out the implications of, of what's, what's being described there in the depiction of, of Krishna, flute, flute playing, herding cows, uh, it's uh, uh, anyway, playful and a powerful position, and controlling by affection, by love. I said the other night that when one controls by love, it's less apparent that one's being controlled. If we control physically, it's very apparent. This guy locked me up. If I control you mentally by manipulating you and uh, it's less apparent, you might not see it, but others can see it and try to help you get out of that relationship. Hmm? Um, and similarly, if I control by love, it becomes even more subtle, more difficult to, t- to detect, and it's difficult to detect because I become controlled too, by you. Because if I love you, and in the full sense of the term, you love me, and so there's no problem, therefore, being controlled by love. Being controlled by mental manipulation, that's a problem. Being controlled by physically, that, that's a problem. Being controlled by love, that's freedom. Hmm? And who controls also becomes controlled. So therefore we find Krishna, hmm, the center, the heart, if you will, of the Godhead, who's controlling everyone by love and affection, is controlled by love. Hmm? This is what it means. Because if we describe the Absolute as Brahman, consciousness, the universal mind, the universal soul, everywhere, the underlying reality of consciousness from which the world of names and forms comes and goes, like islands in the sea that appear and then disappear in due course, and the sea being, in this analogy, a consciousness, a unified substance, we're all part of it. Well, that idea of the Godhead, which is a 
we would call it a, a, a valid but partial idea of the Godhead, all-pervasive consciousness can't move. Because if you're everywhere, <laughs> there's nowhere to go. Hmm? So it's a static idea, st- static notion and static experience it can be, if you pursue it, of ultimate reality. In other words, if you, as a unit of consciousness, were to merge yourself in a sense and identify with entirely the, 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 the entirety of consciousness hmm, and say, I'm one with everything. Hmm? And that, that what it really is, the thing really is consciousness. And other apparent things come and go, arise, but they're not, really, they're not enduring. I'm that consciousness. I'm one. You would be greatly relieved from the differences of this world that are created by our minds and senses that say, I like this, but uh, you don't like this. So we've got a problem. Hmm? You understand? There are differences that we experience in this world that get in the way of our being unified with one another, and they arise in the mind in relation to the senses. Because we feel things, we hear things, we taste things, we smell things, and we think about those things in a particular way. And we make a determination. I like this, I don't like that. This is good, this is bad. It's hot in here. But some people aren't wearing a sweater. These kind of differences are illusory. I mean, they're they're just made-up differences based on some perception that's not the whole picture. Hmm? Someone else is seeing it just the opposite. So this is a problem of material existence. So to go to unity and peace instead of the fighting over the differences, it's hot. No, it's cold. Uh, It gets worse than that, too, obviously. Hmm? But on some level, it's always going on. And no matter how good your partner is, there's always some, well, you know, okay, I'll sacrifice, I'll make a compromise, you know, something like that. <laughs> That's fair, and, you know, we need to do that in this world, but it's not exactly what we, you know, doesn't, it's not like the movies. You know, some movies, anyway. It doesn't end like that always, or it isn't just, you know, they wrote off, and, you know, you know, well, it's not going to be like that forever. <laughs> <laughs> there are going to be some issues that come up. Anyway, these these differences, they're illusory. So we may gravitate towards a, a sense of unity where these differences don't exist, and it would be a peaceful one. That's for sure. So to identify with the underlying reality that I am consciousness, we are all consciousness. We're not bodies and minds, we're consciousness. And to find a sadhana of spiritual practice by which we can actually go there, we could be peaceful. We could let out a sigh and say, I am one with Brahman, I am one with the underlying consciousness. There's peace, 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 shanti, shanti, shanti. It's valid, you can do that. In the bhakti tradition, how we're not interested in that. And so that means, what? Because that sounds pretty good. <laughs> huh? That sounds pretty good. What we see is that, that that is a static idea of ultimate reality. But when I say static, which sounds boring, hmm? It's, I mean, static in relation to the dynamism of this world, which really is static. In other words, the dynamism is the variety of this world. It's born in our minds. Hmm? 
that's really just kind of rehashing the same things over again and, you know, giving them different names each time. Hmm? There's a saying, it's a bit crude, but forgive me, that the prostitute only has one thing to offer her customer, but she dresses herself differently every day. Hmm? As if it's going to be, she's got something different to market. Puna punas charvita charvananam. It's said in Bhagavad by Prahlad, hmm? a great saint, that material life is just chewing the chewed. You chewed it, you spit it out, try it again in a different way. And it's, America is, you know, its contribution to the world is packaging, hmm? largely. Packaging. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> it looks good, but um, you could have done it a lot simpler, you know. You know, there's 10,000 ways to shave your face, you know. <laughs> so, uh, so, to move away from the, this to, to peace and unity and so forth, it's good. But, but it's a static reality compared to the dynamism of this world. Dynamism meaning there being variety, but I'm saying that the dynamism of this world is at a broader, at a closer inspection static, because it really is the same thing over again. It's a false dynamism, hmm? false variety, false independence. You have to die. Your sense of self, egoic sense of self, has to die. It's a, you know, it's a false independence. And our I, our false I, that I am a woman, I am a man, I am American, I am Indian, I am black, I am white, I am yellow, these kind of ideas... These eyes all come from our our mys. What I say is mine determines what is my identity. My house, my car, my wife, my husband, my kids, my job, my clothes, my thing, it's me. You put all those mys together and you say, that's me. Hmm? But how secure is that me or that I when nothing is mine in reality. So when that comes to bear with time's influence, which is everywhere, what could be more obvious to us? Hmm? But we don't pay attention. Hmm? We go on with this false eye when the fact is nature herself is showing us with a pinch, nothing is yours. Stop it. Hmm? You ever see Durga? She got the trident. It's threefold poking. That's her place in the Hindu pantheon. She's poking us actually towards Krishna. <laughs> Why don't you go there? Yeah. You're trying to take from me. I belong to him also, she says. I'm one of his shaktis also. You want to take me for yourself? Now here, take that. <laughs> Is the idea. So, hmm. So the I that we try to preserve is totally a product of my sense of my, which is absolutely false. And so it cannot endure. So this is, this is uh, problematic. Hmm? So there's a false independence here. And there's a false sense of variety and, and, and so on. Hmm? Freedom. And make your own, do your own, your own path, you know. Um. <laughs> So, to go from that, false independence, false dynamism and so forth, to independence from that falsity, 
enter into the sea of consciousness. I'm one with that. Pulsate there forever. Hmm? That sounds good, and it is, comparatively. But So what could be the problem with that? Hmm? We say from a, from a transcendental perspective that, 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 that there's a more there's greater possibility, greater potential for us. Hmm? And that's what we speak about when we speak about with, uh, of Krishna because obviously Krishna is moving. Leela means movement. It's play. You don't play just by sitting still. And you have to have other people to play with. Hmm? And the more, the merrier. Hmm? Is the idea. So this underlying consciousness, still, it has to be still. It's still in comparison to the, the movements of this world, which are like the unfortunate case of a chicken running around with his head cut off. It's a movement, but it's not very meaningful. Hmm? And it ends up only in death. Hmm? To be still in relation to that kind of movement, that's meaningful, that's big. Hmm? To put an end to that kind of movement... And just go, ah, ah, om, forever. Hmm? That's substantial. But play, lila, which is the antithesis of karma. Karma is movement, action, that has, that's reactionary. Because it's a, t- a movement of taking for, by which you owe. The more you take the more you owe. There's a, it's an illusion, just like the mortgage, you know. It's an illusion. I just got, you know, this $300,000 house, and isn't it great? Read that paper closely. You now owe $900,000, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and you're going to be paying it for the next 30 years, or we're going to take the house away from you. Hmm? So, this is just an example the implication of karma, all of that movement. You know, they used to be, when I was a kid, they had this show, Tarzan in the Jungle, you know, so somebody get caught in the quicksand, which was one of the scenes, repeated scenes, and uh, and so the more they moved, the more they went down. And Tarzan would have to swing in and say, don't move. Then he would grab you and pull you out, something like that. So the more we move, the more we become implicated. Hmm? And so, don't move. Hmm. This is the basic spiritual idea. Stop moving. Go within. But now, if we go within, will with that within be only, always, and always, and forever still? Or is there any possibility of a way to move hmm, that doesn't carry the same type of implication, ramifications, of the taking movement? Of course there is. You can give. That's moving. Hmm? And what is the implication? What are the ramifications of giving? The ramification is that you got. Right? Because giving, getting is the... Giving is the... Getting is the... What is how they say? Giving is the getting. Hmm? We talked about the nature of transcendence last night. Hmm? I didn't bring up this point, but it's worth bringing up. The idea that Maybe I didn't mention it, that, that the, the, the journey is the destination, so the path, path per, practice makes perfect. Hmm? This is an interesting idea. The, nature, the spiritual path should be such hmm, that the very nature of the path 
has much to do with the nature of perfection. Hmm? You practice the path and you perfect the path. Hmm? That is your perfection. It means, again, that, that the destination that, that, that is the, that the path, is the, the journey is, is the destination. This is very much the case in bhakti. Hmm? Now, if we have a path to get away from the troubles of the world as we're describing them, hmm? the taking, and the path constitutes stopping from taking, then we could get away from it. Yes, to some extent, I suppose we could get away from the, from from the implications. If I if I'm moving and moving causes me to oh well, then I could stop moving, and just suffer the debts that I have coming to me from movement that I have previously uh, in, engaged in. Hmm? Let the karma play itself out. I'm not moving. That's a pretty hard path, of course. Um, but there are paths kind of like that that advocate something like that. Mm. But that path of stopping from moving is really, um, well, stopping something to do, to do, to do, to do nothing. Hmm? Um, and uh, well, I want to say it's different than to not take, to not take and to give. Are they're related, but they're different. Not taking is inside of giving, but giving is not entirely inside of not taking. Hmm? So if I stop from taking, and taking means the means the movement of karma, I can come become still. And peaceful, but again, is there any movement that's wholesome? Hmm? And we know there is. Giving is wholesome, and it is movement. So lila is a type of movement that's centered on giving. It's loving movement. There's no exploitation involved. There's no taking involved. Even it has an appearance of taking. It's not. Just like in this world, there's an appearance of not taking, but there is. There's a surface appearance of not taking, but on some level, there there will be because as much as we are identified with the body mind complex, we have needs. They're not really our needs, but we've identified with something that has needs, and so we have to meet those needs. So we're on the take, and we have relationships, and we get things and so forth to try to deal with our needs. So. However we want to talk about it, however we want to frame it, and however nice it is, there's some taking involved. So it can look like giving, but some taking is there. So there may be a a world, uh, a realm, indeed there is, where there's giving, and it even looks like taking. Just the opposite. It looks like taking, but it's actually giving. And we find this in Krishna Leela. You listen to the narratives of this experienced by mystics who've entered into that play and so forth, try to depict it in art and poetry and so forth. There's appearances of taking, but actually it's only giving. Suffice to say that there is a realm of giving, and giving is really living, and that giving and the movement thereby doesn't have the same implications as our moving in the karmic realm. Hmm? 
And so the idea of undifferentiated consciousness still forever is, is a particular aspect of the Godhead. But when we speak of in bhakti, we're talking about movement and movement in transcendence. Hmm? And that movement is play. Hmm? So if, if, the God, if Brahman is everywhere, it can't move. But if Brahman is everywhere and moving, that's a very extraordinary idea. So what can make this Brahman move? Hmm? I mean, that's the impossible. If something's everywhere, it can't move. What can make it move? Not only move, but dance. Hmm? Well, what we say is that the movement of Brahman is this Brahman, Satchitananda, eternity, knowledge, bliss, being, knowing, loving, in a concentrated form. Take a shape, a consciousness shape. Hmm? We call that shape Krishna. It means Krishna. It means all attractive. Hmm? Being, knowing, loving, concentrated. Hmm? And and we think that, okay, so, so, so now, but what's caused that to happen? How could that, and what's, and, and then moving. Leela means moving. This so, bhakti is what's doing that. Hmm? This is the idea. So, bhakti is a particular shakti. Hmm? The fullest expression of this bhakti we call Radha. Hmm? Radha. She is making this Brahman move and dance. Hmm? Hmm? We, so this is an ideology in which the Godhead hmm, that people in different traditions give their worship and love to is found to have a worshipable object of his own. This is a very extraordinary idea. Do you understand? Everyone is loving Krishna by calling him different names, let's say. Hmm? But in this tradition we're talking about that which is turning him on, so to speak, making him move. This is the idea of Radha. And Radha is the full personification of bhakti, which is a particular shakti that gives us positive impetus and a real tangible means to not only extricate ourselves from the material uh, predicament, but do so by way of entering into the play of the Godhead, into a divine divine love, prem, into a loving relationship with the Absolute. While Maya Shakti is like the shadow, the Jeev Shakti is like the partial light. As I said, you can only have shadows if you have partial light. This Bhakti is like the full light. How full is the light then? Not only can it dispel the darkness of Maya in our lives by coming into our lives, deftly, I mean, without, without any, effortlessly practically. Hmm? That's an extraordinary power to remove the darkness hmm, of our lives. 
but it has further the power to, in effect, overwhelm Krishna. <laughs> That's very extraordinary. And make Brahman dance and move. Hmm? And so bhakti is for kind of like passing through that sea of consciousness and not staying on the surface, but going deep and finding, well, there's things going on down here in the bottom of the ocean. Look at that fish. Hmm? And that turtle, and this one, and that. And, you know, it's pretty beautiful down there, they say. <laughs> Very extraordinary things. It's, it's, uh, the sea may be deeper than the spaces, than the sky is, is to, who knows. Uh, so, this is an, an, an analogy, though, of course. So, pass through the stillness of Brahman. You end the the false movements of this world, but you enter into a world of giving, living, loving, and under the influence of Radha. Hmm? Krishna means Brahman, influenced by his own own Shakti, hmm? Lila Shakti, Bhakti. Hmm? The power of loving. Hmm? So we're really deifying love itself and even enlisting the deity of Krishna in the worship of the love, if you will. And there are leelas depicting Krishna touching the feet of Radha, making this philosophical statement I mean, poetically and in, 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 in um, narrative and, and, and so forth. Hmm? This kind of philosophical point that such a reality exists. And what I'm saying to you is that, is that under the influence of this bhakti, this is our potential. If we are fortunate enough to come under this influence, our potential is not only to leave, to extricate ourselves, to leave behind the predicament of material existence, and in doing so set an example for others that's very compelling hmm, and extraordinary. Become still in relation to the false movement get a full meal in relation to the appetizers and so forth. But from there, with a, in the context of the full meal, you just want to get full or do you want to do something after you've got that energy? Hmm? Hmm? As described there, Shriyakanta kanta parama purusha kalpataravo dumabhumis chintamani kanamai toyamamritam kataganam natyam kamanam apivamsi priyasaki these things are very beautiful. Just to try to give us some idea of what is the realm of Leela, the heart of, the, of transcendence, it is said, Sriyakanta kanta parama purusha kalpataravo drumabhumes chindamani ganamaito yamamritam kataganam natyam gamanam vapivamsi priyasaki so on. All the movement all the walking is dancing, the talking is singing. Hmm? One commentator of yore in our tradition said, what must be the dancing? What must be the singing? If the talking is singing, if the walking is dancing, what must be the singing? What must be the dance? How alive you are jiva, means shakti, a unit of, of life. Con- it's not biological life, consciousness. Hmm? There's a question in modern science. They've listed a number of them that have not been answered. A hundred and some, they say. Questions that science has not yet answered. Right near the top of the list, I think. The, second, the first on the list is, what is the nature of, 
of matter, of the universe. Pretty good one. Second one is, what is the biological nature of consciousness? My answer is, there is none. Consciousness is not biological. You see the prejudice behind the question in the objective field of science. What is the, <laughs> what is the biological makeup of consciousness? Where in the brain, you know, where do we, that self, that feel, that gives those feel, where can we just like, you know, locate that and determine once and for all, there's nobody there really. It's just a couple of fire, neurons firing. Hmm? Isn't it great to know that your life is meaningless? <laughs> the lights are on, but there's nobody home. And this person's talking to you as if this is a, you're having a rational conversation. Hmm? Isn't it great that I found a thing that enabled me to make make this conclusion, and it's nothing. It's 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 not. What, you, know, I mean, <laughs> you see the sophistry of this. This is hmm? no. It's not biological. Is there a biological makeup to consciousness? That'd be a fair and scientific and objective question. Hmm? And to find out, well, it's a big question. So we might take some information from different people and uh, different sources, like mystics for one, who have been dealing with consciousness before it became even a subject in the scientific community. Hmm? So, this bhakti, hmm? what we're saying to you, it is, has the power to not only free us from the implications of, of, of material life, problems of this and be an example thereby hmm? and bring us peace know that we are different from we don't die hmm? there's a biological death but not for me hmm? I mean there's a biological death for this but I'm not the, the, the biological organism hmm? I'm in it I'm, I'm animating it but that's not what I am hmm? And, it's, and people who think like this and pursue this, we find that they lose upon their pursuit as they become successful. Attachment to the things that are that is problematic, that makes death the problem that it is, as I said last night. It's not a problem otherwise. Hmm? There's people that really have no attachment to things. Have they solved the death problem? So well, he's still going to die. Yeah, but it's not a. It's, 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 you've changed the whole equation. It's no longer a problem. Yeah, but he's still going to die. But yeah, but so what? <laughs> but he can't. And he can't take everything with him. He can't. He doesn't want to. She doesn't care about that. Have they gained something more? More val- Could that be a possibility? That that's what. They certainly, but maybe they're only thinking that they've got something more. Well, anyway, (laughs) if you want to think like that, that's okay. Hmm? They still solve the problem. (laughs) It's only a problem for you who don't think like that. Hmm? They say they solve the problem. How can we prove that they've solved the problem? How can we prove that their inner subjective experience, I mean, this is just nonsense, this kind of thinking. How can we prove objectively the nature of a subjective experience. I mean, that's just, 
you're you're just really not it's not a bright kind of a you know question hmm? and of course we'll say well, why don't you go there and you find out for yourself you you go why don't you come you experience this and then you tell me what you think it is or or show me that it's something else or whatever why don't you try it well that's a little that's a little much to ask isn't it not really i mean it's very practical I say, if I say, why don't you come over here and, and you know, and, and check it out for yourself? Look in here. You know, that would, you think that would be reasonable, but only because the journey is a little further. Hmm? You have to give up the things. You have to take up a method for giving up the th- and finding the and finding the more. And, and it's not too much to ask. Hmm? Hmm. It's asking people to be objective. That's what it's asking, because objectivity is connected with detachment. I mean, I could be a scientist in the lab and be objective, but when I go home, it's another thing. Hmm? If I get a call on the phone, I'm making an experiment, your son's in the hospital. Hmm. What's causing you to go there, to do that? Feeling, subjectivity, Hmm? affection, bias. Hmm? Well, yogi is perfectly bi- unbiased, perfectly objective, not attached to anything. You understand? Pure objectivity. If you have pure objectivity, it's reasonable, even from a scientific point of view, to say you've got the full picture. You understand what I'm saying? Empirical investigation of nature prides itself in objectivity. Facts. Let's get away from imagining what things are like and superstitious scones and things and let's just find out what's really happening here and be objective. We're asking the same thing. But the measure of the objectivity we're asking for, <laughs> no, not too many people willing to go for that. But, but it's reasonable to, to conjecture that from such an objective position, a detached position, when we'll get the full picture. Hmm? And you may think, Will you say that you're experiencing God? How can I prove it? Well, what will you accept as proof? <laughs> hmm? I say, come here and find out. You come here. And I can tell you that from, from my experience from chanting, Hare Krishna, for example, if anyone in the world could experience what I experienced by putting a quarter in a machine and they could produce that experience, the whole world would be lined up for putting quarters in that forever. Hmm. Hmm. About just the nature of yourself hmm. in connection with bhakti, what your prospect is. Hmm. How these people can, such people can turn their backs on the whole world of possibilities and apparent possibilities. So they're standing on firm ground, not some imaginary idea, not some superstition. And they're kinder for it. They're kinder and they're surviving in a world where the fittest survives. And that has meant largely the meanest, uh, the brutest. Hmm. That's an entirely fair assessment of evolutionary theory, but at any rate, survival of the kindest is we're advocating. Hmm? beyond bi- bi- the biological inevitability. Hmm? No, 
consciousness is not biological in its makeup. It's supernatural, not natural. Supernatural. An era of that, that nature, bhakti can reveal this and thus free you from the implications and the predicament of material existence and so much more. Hmm? Can give you prospect for entering into the very heart of the of the, the fire of consciousness that you are a spark of, how you will thrive there, to what extent, hmm? and what goes on there. What I'm talking about is this: something like. Let me give another analogy. Let's take the sun. It's out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I lived in Oregon for a while too. <laughs> So, you know, we can notice it more here. <laughs> California, well, you know, sunny California. You don't notice it as much. But it's very prominent, obviously, in its influence in our lives. It makes your mind happy. Hmm? It produces vegetation, gives warmth. And in so many ways, we're dependent upon the sun. Let's call sun, the sun god, providing for us so much. Vegetation, rain... <coughs> Right through the evaporation of the rivers and so on, it comes down in such a way that there can be vegetation and food and abundance and so forth. It provides peace for our minds, um, health, vitality. Um, in so many ways, we are dependent upon the sun. If it didn't come up tomorrow, it would be a huge issue, but if along with it, electricity and all other subsequent forms of light disappeared, we wouldn't even be able to read about it, but we would know it. The sun didn't come up. That would be big news. So we're dependent upon the sun. The sun's providing for our lives. Jai sun. Jai sun. We can do the Surya Namaskar and get on with our lives. Right? So that could be our relationship with the sun. This is how most people have a relationship with God. Thank you for providing, and could you send a little bit more? (laughs) My way. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) So, okay, well, that's something. Got to start somewhere. Hmm? But, But inside the sun, there are nuclear explosions. There's a life inside this. What what is that? There's nuclear explosions inside the sun, and the sun's not exploding because of it. Hmm? So I want to say that there's that, that the Brahman is like the sun consciousness, that sea of consciousness. I'm talking about like light, light sustaining us. Hmm? We're part of that. We're a ray of that. Hmm? But inside the sun, there's a life. There are these extraordinary things going on. Like I say, big nuclear explosions. So Leela is something like that. Avatars, like I said, the Godhead says... I have wisdom. Let me see it. And the Buddha appears. You see what I'm saying? Wisdom personified. Hmm? Krishna's wisdom. Hmm? I, I have feeling of love inside and there'll be Radha. And then I'll be conquered by it. Hmm? And, 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 and so forth. And let the love be spread. These are like nuclear explosions in the sun. This is what Leela, this kind of, there's a life to the, to the absolute. There's movement. It's alive. It's not just static, but it's dynamic in the real sense of the term. We have the possibility, the prospect of that kind of dynamic 
life in the absolute, which really corresponds with, if we look at ourselves, what we want in the here and the now. We want dynamic relationships that are meaningful, fulfilling, deep, loving. That's what we want. Hmm? Is there any truth to what we want? Or shall we you know, just go halfway and say, these relationships are never going to make it, they're never going to fulfill entirely, and I've got to die anyway, so you know, I'll be wise and stop pursuing these relationships and, and things and so on and so forth. And, and that is wise, and you'll get somewhere by that. That's what the Buddha talked about, actually. Hmm? We don't disagree with him. We just say, you know, he didn't tell the whole thing. There's more to be said. Hmm? And I'm not more than the Buddha, but <laughs> but uh, the, but there's, there's 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 more to the your prospect in life. This is what Bhakti seeks to to afford us something like that. So I was going to speak from the Gita. Yes, I am, in a broader sense. <laughs> but uh, briefly, I'll cite a verse here that I had in mind. Mahatmanastumam partha daivim prakriti mashritaha bhajanti ananimanaso gnatva buddhadim avyayam Krishna speaking. He just spoke in the previous verses, a couple of verses, about his about the form of Krishna. He said, People don't understand it. I appear in this world in this form and perform Leela, but people don't understand me. They think I'm this, they think I'm that. They don't know what I actually what I actually am. Hmm? He said that. Now he's speaking about the kind of people that do know. Hmm? And he calls them Mahatmas. Mahatma. It means their atma, their, their mind, their self, hmm, is big. Big in a, big in the, in a sense of like a, like a broad-minded person, hmm, accommodating, generous, kind. Mahatmanas to Mom Partha. He calls Arjuna his friend Partha in relation to his his um, mother. Hmm. It's an affectionate way he addresses Arjun. Oh, Arjun, he's saying affectionately, addressing him in terms of his his um, his uh, mother, who's like the aunt of Krishna. Hmm? O Partha, there are people in this world. They're they're great souls, Mahatma. They, their souls have expanded, so to speak, by way of giving, because as we take the self, kind of contracts and disappears. It doesn't really disappear, but, but it's like if you had a diamond and then you put some dirt on top of it and you put a little more, next thing you know, you've got a mountain. It's in there, but there's a mountain and you've got to get a mine and dig way down to bring it out, something like that. That's what we're doing here, mining. That's what we're mining. Bring out the jewels of ourselves. And there's a fair amount of ignorance on top. Take, 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 taking that off. Hmm. So as we take, then we become covered, so to speak. Hmm. 
And as we give, the covering comes off. Of course, we can give more if we can find the center who can take. If you're going to give, you have to find that what you can take. I could give everything to something, but if it can't take everything I have to give, then I'll, it, it, it'll be a little frustrating. Hmm? This is what we're doing. We are giving. We're nice giving people, but we're not always giving in the center, and so we're not always getting back what the, what the getting is supposed to be inside of the giving. Because your giving is inhibited by the object to which you give, which isn't capable of taking entirely. Hmm? So you can say, well, Swami said about giving, but I gave, and it was pretty painful, actually, and it, it didn't work, <laughs> and so forth. Well, you know, you had the right spirit there, but you need some knowledge <laughs> where to give. Hmm? <laughs> so that's what we're talking about. We're talking about Krishna. He says, they've given to me themselves. Hmm? They are Mahatmas. Their self has expanded. Hmm? They identify with all people all beings, with all sentient beings they identify with as their family. Hmm? Not just, you know, me and her or something like that, but everybody. They're Mahatma. Mahatma nastumam part daivim prakritim, he says. And they move in this world in a different way. They move in the world apparently like everybody else, but under the influence of a different shakti, he says. Ordinarily, we're moving under the maya shakti's influence, the sattva, the rajas, the tamas that I described earlier for material prosperity, for spacing out or whatever, tamas, you know. I've done it before, too. And then, and then there's the clarity, you know, sattva, virtue, and these influences. We're talking about something beyond virtue, Life beyond virtue. Virtue plus, something like that. Hmm. Transcendental life. So he says, while most people, the implication is here, most people are moving under the influence of the maya shakti hmm, and taking, confused and so forth. Some people are moving under daivim prakritim, my bhakti shakti is what he's saying. The shakti of bhakti. It's causing them to move in this world not for a necessity that they, they perceive necessity that they have owing to identification with the body-mind complex. Hmm? Not on the basis of the conventional sense of ego of American, Indian, black, white, man, woman, but they have identified with me hmm? as the source, themselves, as a spark of the fire that I am. Daivim hmm? they're moving under this influence. And these people are creating the good fortune of others. They are bringing bhakti, the opportunity for bhakti to others. Hmm? Even without trying to bring it, this is an effort to bring it in a way, overtly, even without trying, they're moving only for my purpose. And if they bump into people, that'll be a good thing. Once my Guru Maharaj was driven in a car, you know, in India, that used to be that there were any respectable person had a car and a driver. They wouldn't drive their own car. You know. So anyway, our guru was, was poor, but we, you know, we were Americans, so we had some money. So Anyway, he came up in the car with a driver to a, some program that was being, had been set up at some place, the, and the place had the doorman, you know, who would come to open your door, like that. Welcome, sir, you know, like that. And so 
he, we pulled up and he opened the door and my Guru Maharaj walked out and so forth. And one of my Guru brothers there, he said, wow, he said, that guy's been opening doors forever. He just opened the right door. <laughs> to see how the nature of bhakti, the guy didn't do anything but what he does, he opens doors. He just opened a door and somebody else came out for an entirely different purpose. Hmm? For entirely a God-minded purpose, living and breathing for that. And, and you facilitated that. You've participated in that. Unknowingly, you just open the... How easy is bhakti? You see? How easy is bhakti? <laughs> Unknowingly could participate in it. Hmm? It will take time to... A few things like that, accumulating. We accumulate like that, and all of a sudden it turns into hearing about bhakti, and it starts to make sense to me, and so forth. And, and this is, so, it's, as I said to you, this is not a rational affair. This is a transrational affair. Our particip- we're participating in this for reasons beyond our reasoning hmm? that have occurred even in different lifetimes, and so forth. Hmm? And this is the prominent example of that. We bump into a Mahatma, some person like this, open the right door. Hmm? Right? Mahatmanas to Mambar, Daivim Prakriti Mashta. These people, Bajanti Ananyamanasog, Natva Buddhadimabe. These people, they understand me, my appearance in this world, which is difficult. It's difficult. Hmm. Somebody said to me the other night, well, you know, I mean, it's okay that we should worship God, but worship a man that appeared in the world? No, it's not quite what we're talking about. No, not like that. Hmm? Therefore, this idea of Krishna, I've tried to present it to you, like the theological implications and philosophical implication and, and so forth. But what this verse is also saying is something very interesting to us, if we think about it. As I said, just previously in two verses ahead, he said, previously, uh, earlier he said, people don't understand my form, my, my appearance, and so forth. They misunderstand it. Hmm? They, don't, they can't take advantage of it, some people. They, they, not immediately. But other people, these Mahatmas, oh, they understand it. What's being said here is, where is this Krishna? Is this a historical person? Hmm? Perhaps. Hmm? But what's history, for that matter? Hmm? Where is Krishna? In bhakti. Hmm? This is the idea. Do you understand me? He, this, these devotees... They're experiencing something in their heart, this leela, this, po- this prospect. Internally, they're participating in this. Hmm? So people can say, well, I don't believe in God. That's okay. Hmm? But it's hard not to believe in bhakti. You can see that. <laughs> you can see that. Now you can try to say, well, it's not what they say, but, but it is nice. <laughs> it, it is desirable on on, on some level. Hmm? He's saying, Krishna's saying, that's where you can find me. Hmm? Maybe I don't appear in the world. Hmm? But then where is the world? But it, it is in our heart. Hmm? I appear in the heart of great souls. They talk about me. They experience me. It's hard to dismiss them hmm? in all they're about their kindness and so forth. We can, but that's a mistake. Hmm. Hmm. 
That's that's the greatest delusion. So again, I want to emphasize here what we are really talking about more than Krishna is bhakti. But of course, the two are intertwined. You can't really have one without the other. And neither would you want to. So, in this way, he says, there are such persons. And what do they do? In the next verse, he says, Satatam kirtayam tomam etantascha dudapata namasyantascha pasate. What do they do? Satatam kirtayam tomam. They are always doing kirtan about me. Hmm? In another place in the Purana, it is said, Krishna says to Narada, you know, Narada, he's a, a great bhakta. He says, Oh, Narada, hmm, naham yoginam I'm not in, in, in the world above, the transcendent world, neither in the world below. Hmm? Neither am I hidden in the heart of the yogi, at least not fully, but I am wherever my devotees are chanting about me, that's where I am. I'm in bhakti. Wherever there's bhakti, there's me. It's hard to, 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 to say that bhakti is not desirable. I mean, trying to talk about it and explain it, but even simplistically, the reflection, I'm saying, of bhakti is, is the love that you know, makes the world go round. That's so desirable. If we could move from the reflection to the reality, from the shadow to the light, full face of love I mean how can any rational or irrational person disagree with this Hmm? this is where we find Krishna the full implication of that bhakti if we could take that to its fullest so kirtan is meant to help us with that satatam kirtayantomam yatantas chadudabhata he says they're always chanting about me they take vows for chanting he says amasyantas chamamne Brata uh, means a vow. They take drita means a, they make a firm vow. I will chant this many times, hmm? this many hours, just like we chant on like a japa. You know japa, like a rosary, hundred and eight beads made from the sacred basil tulsi. We chant Krishna Krishna mantra on every bead, so many times around, hundred and eight times. 108 beads, 108 times, as maybe. So they do this, they sit, meditation, they chant the name. Then they get up, then they sing the name. Then they, and they offer, they, they make their breakfast, they offer it to the icon of Krishna, the deity of Krishna. Then they only take what's left hmm, over, which is usually a generous portion. Hmm. <laughs> and they make it nice. So it's enjoyable. Hmm. Also bhakti. We said we have to overcome the enjoying ego, but bhakti itself is enjoyable. Hmm? That's not a problem. Hmm? Everybody likes to dance, sing, taste good food, hmm? good company. Hmm? Right? All these things is part and parcel of bhakti. This is, I mean, you cannot meditate and, and, you know, feast at the same time. You can't meditate and dance and you can't meditate and sing and you can't meditate and have a party with other people. Hmm? But in bhakti you can, and by in the context of having a party, you can meditate. I've had experience. By being together with many other devotees, 
and talking about these things, like with you, and tasting the prasad, hmm? huh? and singing and chanting internally, mm-hmm. one can go very deeply. Hmm? It said, Kirtana prabhave smarana svabhave. You want to meditate? It's not easy, right? It's very difficult. The mind is distracted. Hmm? But kirtana prabhava, there is a great force in kirtan hmm? to arrest the mind. Hmm? And I'll tell you another thing. If you meditate but you don't pay attention, you don't meditate. But if you do kirtan, even if your mind is distracted, still there's a benefit for you. And in time, the kirtan will arrest your mind in a way that that sitting to meditate through, for example, like an astangya it is difficult to accomplish. Hmm? Great force in kirtan. It brings meditation, it, 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 it can bring about a meditative state that would be very difficult to accomplish by other means. Hmm? That is why in the present time, in the sacred text is called Kali Yuga, this kirtan is, the, is recommended as the most efficacious means of spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. It's everywhere stated. And I'll tell you another thing. It's said right here. Satatam kirtayantomam. Krishna is describing a certain type of transcendentalist who's always doing kirtan. Mm-hmm. And he says, Satatam kirtayantomam. Mam means me. There are some people there always doing kirtan about me. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna like this. Jai Govinda, Jai Gopal. Mm-hmm. This kind of... About me. He's saying... Kirtan is really for me. There are other spiritual practices, like yama, niyama, and so forth. But that's not a kirtan is not a limb of the gyan marg or the yoga marg. It is a limb of the body of the bhakti marg. So you can do kirtan in, in yoga marg and so forth. But it's really a limb of the body of the bhakti mark. So in the context of bhakti, it will have its most, be most, most efficacious. And bhakti means Vishnu bhakti. This is bhakti. Hmm? Really, there isn't really Durga bhakti or Shiva bhakti, and I like them both. <coughs> but that they're, they're, <laughs> they're really not, there's not a school of bhakti in relation to the, to these particular or Buddha Bhakti. I mean, there's kind of a Buddha Bhakti. There's a type of, but but the implication, the philosophical and theological implications of Bhakti that I've talked about don't apply in relation to these aspects of the Godhead in this with the same fullness that they do in relation to the Krishna concept, if you will, or central heart beat of the absolute. This is not to make a sectarian statement, although everybody does believe their path is the best, and they should. Hmm? It will be necessary <laughs> to pursue it. Hmm? But it's rather an inclusive uh, statement that Durga and Shiva would like very much to hear. There's more to be said about that and their relationship with Krishna as aspects of, of the divinity. But we've run out of time, except for time for kirtan. So we have a little kirtan and then maybe some question. Hari kirtan ki.